I'm Dr. Morcise J. Beasley, Superintendent of Clayton County Public Schools. You're listening to Be Inspired with Beasley, a podcast aimed to inspire and lift our community with actions that add value to the lives of our students here in Clayton County. Hello, I'm Dr. Morcise J. Beasley, Superintendent of Clayton County Public Schools here in the metro Atlanta area, Clayton County, of course. You're listening to Be Inspired with Beasley, a podcast aimed to inspire and lift our community with actions that add value to the lives of our 55,000 students here in Clayton County. Welcome to Be Inspired with Beasley. I'm so grateful and thankful that you're tuning in with me on today. Today, I'm so excited to have a conversation with three outstanding ladies who lead literacy in our district. I am pleased to have with me, I'll start with the pre-K level, Dr. Joy Bradley. She leads pre-K early learning. We have Miss Ebony Brown. She leads kindergarten through fifth grade reading and literacy, I'll say, uh, ELA, English Language Arts. And we have Miss Gray. And Miss Gray leads six through 12. I had a middle, um, a senior moment there, Miss Gray. <laughs> We have Miss Gray who leads six through twelve. Let me say Alicia, right? LSR. LSR Gray. I wanted to make sure I get it right. LSR Gray who leads. Let me say that again. We have Miss LSR Gray who leads six through twelve, ELA, English Language Arts. But I like to just say literacy, all things liter- literacy in our district. And these ladies clearly they work with all other content areas. But primarily, they focus on literacy, early learning, et cetera, in our school system. So today, we're going to give you your feel, an idea of what's happening here in Clayton County Public Schools in the area of literacy and early learning. We're going to hopefully be as interactive as possible and give the ladies a chance to really share what's working, what's not working, concerns, uh, even some strategies, apps if you have them, ideas for parents and even students. We want this community to understand how important literacy is. And this pandemic has shown us that those who read succeed, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Those who read succeed. And so as Clayton County, we read in Clayton County. Not only do we read, but we comprehend and we create and we do and we produce at high, high levels. So with that being stated, today we're focused on literacy and early learning. So what I'd like to do is first give these wonderful educators and professionals an opportunity to introduce themselves and maybe just provide an opening statement about how important literacy is to you for the level that you lead here in our school system. We'll start this time on my right, high school, then we'll come back to pre-K. So hello, everyone. My name is LSR Gray, and I am the coordinator of um, English Language Arts for grades 6 through 12. And literacy is just near and dear to my heart. Since being a child, I've had a strong passion for reading. I remember being that child who was just... I would finish one Sweet Valley High Twin book, and I was ready to go to the store to buy another. So that joy that I have for literacy and that passion is what I really want to, in my role, 
extend to the students of Clayton County Public Schools. Also, I understand the importance of literacy, not only in our, perf- in our personal lives, but also in our professional roles. I cannot think of one role, one professional, that in some capacity does not have to use their literacy skills, mm-hmm. especially when we think about literacy and the core competencies that make up literacy. Reading, writing, speaking, listening, thinking. I can't name one profession that doesn't require the professional to have a strong sense and command over those skills. So my hope is that through my work, along with my department, my team members, that we create curriculum and help teachers create learning experiences so that when students graduate from Clayton County Public Schools, they are prepared because they have a strong command of their literacy skills for whatever academic role or position they want to have or they wish to um, strive for, that they feel well prepared. Very good. So that's at the 612 level. Yes. But in order to do well at 612, we got to make sure we're doing good at K-5, right, Miss <laughs> Absolutely. Ms. Ms. Ebony Absolutely. Brown, introduce yourself and tell us why you're doing what you do. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm Ebony Brown. I am the elementary English language arts coordinator. So I support grades kindergarten through fifth grade. Um, unlike LSR, I was not a, a avid reader. It was not until my uh, senior year that my high school teacher, Miss Battle, um, unlocked literacy, the world of literacy for me through a book, The the Scarlet Letter. And I just was so intrigued with it. And I read it from page to page to page. Um, So then I decided, you know, that because of her gift for being able to connect me with literacy um, as a student, I said, I think I might want to be a teacher. And so that's how I became became a teacher, just by that seed being planted, the uh, the seed of learning, the seed of literacy. It just grew like wildfire in my life. Um, and so then I became a kindergarten teacher, and I realized that the foundation is key. So whereas we have our children who are in secondary, we know that without a solid foundation in your lower grades, your kindergarten, your elementary grades, that the house and the structure that you build, it will surely fall if the foundation is not solid. I agree with that. And so um, I just find in my role as the coordinator for elementary English language arts that we are often trying to make sure that uh, our students have part, not just access, but they're able to actually participate in the literacy, um, bringing literacy to life. Our slogan in our department is literacy is life. And just as Miss Grace shared, everything comes by way of literacy. Very good. So we have Miss Ellisar Gray, 6 through 12, Ebony Brown. K through five. Yes. Now, in order to do good in kindergarten, you need a startup. All the way over here to early learning. And I want to say pre K, but Ms. Uh, Dr. Bradley, I believe you go even lower than pre K in your role. So please introduce yourself and tell us why you do what you do relative to early learning, pre K and early learning. Hello, everyone. I am Joy Bradley, the Early Learning Coordinator, and my belief is that learning is play and play is learning. And I would say that my background is kind of a combination of LSR and Ebony's. Um, I come from a line of educators, and I spent most of my time from age two until about 16, I spent it at the school with my mom. And my elementary school was a little bit different from a traditional elementary school because my elementary school was preschool all the way up to um, seventh grade. 
And with that, I spent most of my time in the preschool um, pretending to teach, um, making lessons. And from that, my high school was a technical school, which allowed me to serve in the child care program. So teaching has been a part of my life forever, but particularly the area of literacy. I was an avid reader and an avid writer. I wrote about everything and made up stories to the students that I um, taught. So with that, I always find myself, even in college, being in a place where preschool or infants were. So with my role, I believe that before they even get to the foundation, we set the stage. We bring the students to the stage and give them the props and the audience to build themselves up for learning. We make them become the actors and actresses for the world of literacy. So my passion is, of course, preschool at ev- in every day, in every way. So I thank you, colleagues. Very good. So you said set the stage. We set the stage. Well, Correct. let's start there then. Early learning. How are our kids doing here in Clayton County relative to literacy and early learning? Our students are overcoming the obstacles. Um, In spite of their circumstances, our teachers are going above and beyond um, providing not only the academic part of, of literacy, but they're building relationships and the relationships that they build form connections with their families to assist them with understanding what literacy looks like. In, in the area of literacy. So right now our students are um, connecting. They're online. They have a double dose of most of the things that other Georgia pre-K students don't have. Um, and it is my belief, according to the data, that they are learning and growing every day. Well, that's encouraging to hear because we know how challenging online can be, especially for our younger learners. But I hear you're visiting classrooms every day, if not every day, as your schedule allows, and you're seeing learning going on. You're seeing, I know I went to one event, and the parents were there with the, with the small children, and the kids were so engaged. Do you think that even though it's virtually uh, occurring in, in their lives, do you believe that the kids are actually connecting with their teachers and that the students are actually improving in their literacy skills? Well, one of the things that I see um, an increase of because we're virtual is we see a lot of children using language. So teachers are providing the students with back and forth exchanges, as well as when they meet individually, they're allowed the opportunity to use their words and to be able to key in on what deficiencies or areas of growth that our students need. Well, very good. I'm going to pivot over here to K-5. Ms. Brown, we know that we've had fewer kindergarten students this year because for whatever reason, some parents have elected to not enroll their children in kindergarten. We know that that is critical. Kindergarten is critical to that, that success, if you will, as they matriculate through elementary school and secondary school. How are our kids doing in kindergarten, in first grade, in second grade in particular, And then share with us, what do you see occurring in grades three, four, and five? So our students in kindergarten through second grade are doing quite well. Um, As we make observations in classrooms, we note that teachers are 
as Dr. Bradley said, going above and beyond to share interactive, engaging lessons with students. Students are able to utilize different technologies. So when we think about our program that we have, our curriculum that we have for our K-2 students, we have a lot of e-platform access. So we see teachers utilizing the platform to bring the learning to life. We still see sound spelling cards being shared. We still see phonemic awareness and phonics activities and instruction being provided to students. Um, we still see writing occurring. We know that students have a developmental stages, various developmental stages that they go through in writing. And so sometimes we often think that it's a challenge, which it is, but our students, our teachers, and our parents have truly um, learned how to utilize their technology, still provide the instruction, take pictures of the writing, and post it. That way the teacher is still able to provide that feedback to the student and see where they need to maybe give some small group instruction. So everything that we would see in a face-to-face classroom, we are truly seeing a lot of duplicate in the virtual world as well. For our third, fourth, and fifth grade students, their curriculum is allows them to do a lot of writing and reading. So they have a reading scaffolded task and they have a writing scaffolded task. And we still see teachers taking them very intentionally through the whole task to ensure that they are being exposed to vocabulary and working on their comprehension skills and then taking what they're learning from what they're reading and placing it into various genres of writing. So I would say for our elementary school students, we are still learning in literacy and continuing to build leaders every day. So it sounds like we're addressing the challenges, but we're maximizing this virtual learning environment. We're addressing the challenges, but we are also being very innovative. I've seen a lot of innovative ideas um, and the use of technology, things that maybe were just thoughts where you might see an advertisement when you're uh, looking at your email. Teachers are now plugging into those things such as Nearpod, Kahoot, Flipgrid, and bringing the learning to life. I like the word innovative. Well, let's go over here to the secondary level. Oh, my goodness. Secondary students, middle school and high school students. Ms. Gray, what are you seeing? How are the students doing? Yep, I'm seeing some of the similar observations as Ebony shared with us. At the secondary level, I certainly think that we have evidence that shows that our students are moving in the right trajectory when it comes to their literacy skills. Um, Just recently, many of our students participated in the social justice town hall. And what stood out to me was the rich questions that students were asking in that town hall. These were questions that students designed and created on their own, and they had the confidence to put it out there for the world to ask. We also see that our students are using their literacy skills to take the quad D tasks that are naturally embedded in the secondary English language arts curriculum and to use their literacy skills in authentic ways. So, for example, one of our um, middle school classes, they're studying quality education. We know that that is a one of the UN's um, sustainable development goals. And our students got together, they researched and found out which populations of students in our country, in our world, don't have access to a quality education, which students in our own communities don't, and what can we do about it? And so they spearheaded their own book drives, and they educated their community about those students. We also see evidence of students being able to use their writing skills in an authentic way. So when doing that project, they had to reach out beyond just their classroom, but they reached out to several district-level leaders. They reached out to the leaders within their school building, and they talked to leaders at various community organizations. They put their writing to use in, a, in an authentic way. 
I would also say that our students have shown that they want to read and they want to read beyond what's in the curriculum. So the secondary English language arts department recently just reached out directly to our students and said, hey, let's do a book break for the winter break. Let's all do a shared reading of a text. We're going to read Stamped Racism, Anti-Racism in You by Jason Reynolds. And we had overwhelmingly 150 students say, I want to use my Christmas break to read a text. And so I would definitely say that our students are showing us that they are interested in all that the world has to offer. They're interested in using their literacy skills to access it. And they are definitely moving in the right direction. Are we without challenge? No, we do still have some students um, who who we're still trying to get to that level, whether it be interest or reading proficiently on grade level, but we certainly have evidence that we're moving in the right direction. Very good to hear. Now, you mentioned evidence, so I'd like to all of you to share. What data do you use at your various levels to help you inform the work and the decisions that you make relative to literacy in our district? And I'll start at the early learning pre-K level. Well, we are unique because we use we have our own created um, pre-K literacy screener that identifies particular skills that will inform not only the teacher, but the parents um, of kindergarten readiness. So this um, test, is, it includes where students, of course, write their name to show not only recognition of concepts of print, but also to show that they have the right development for fine motor. Um, on this screener, it also assesses alphabet knowledge as well as their ability to generate sounds such as rhyme. So once we review that data, We are strategic as a department to ensure that not only instruction um, is adjusted to the needs of the students, but also our community, because it it informs us what our pre-K students are um, performing as when they enter school. Um, We also, of course, use our Georgia pre-K assessment work sampling online, and it has been adjusted um, because of these circumstances to only for us to assess language and literacy and mathematical thinking. So our teachers now plan with an intent because their focus is strongly on language and literacy. So it sounds like you're very data driven in your instructional approach. We are very data driven. Very good. What? What tools or data do you use at the K-5 level? Yes. So for K-5, our K-1-2 students, they utilize a platform called DIBBLES, which stands for Dynamic Indicators of Basic Early Literacy Skills. And so with that particular assessment, we are looking at um, how well students understand the letters and the sounds that those letters uh that the sounds that the letter represents, um, also how well they can decode and blend. Um, we're able to see, you know, if this student is going to be a student who needs more strategic support, um, we, we need to support this student in, in a particular small group setting. So that gives a lot of information for teachers. And then it also provides parents a lot of information as well because it produces a home connect letter. So we take this assessment every year, three times a year. 
And so parents should also receive what is called the Home Connect. And so the Home Connect is an individualized report that teachers should share with the parent that tells you things that you can do at home with your student. Most of the activities uh, require things that are in your pantry, they're in your kitchen, around your home that you can utilize to help your student develop their literacy skills. And then in our kindergarten through fifth grade, well, actually all the way up to our eighth grade, um, we have iReady. And this is a wonderful tool that we use for our students. Um, the, after the assessment, the diagnostic assessment, iReady then provides students their path. So it's called My Path. And it highlights exactly where the student has deficiencies. And the student is able to get into a more of like a, a game-like environment. So therefore, it's, it's colorful, it's fun, it's rich, it's engaging, but it's also teaching them as well right where they need that support. And then teachers can go in and they can provide lessons to the students. They can assign lessons that uh, emulate or align to the exact skill that they're focused on for that week. So um, I ready, we encourage our students to, um, yes, aim for the 45 minutes every week, but more so aim for a passing score of 80% or better. And we should see the student grow over time with that. So those are the two platforms that we utilize in our district for kindergarten through fifth grade. Well, it sounds like students get some data that they can actually use in a very fun environment but a rigorous environment to help yes. them achieve higher levels of literacy. Yes. Well, Ms. Gray, what about the 612? And I, I heard about the iReady at the middle school level. Right. So um, what I'll do is just share with you what we use at the high school level since we've already covered iReady. So for our 9 through 12 grade students, we use a program called Achieve 3000. And I love, love, love this resource because it allows students to develop their reading comprehension and vocabulary skills. And it does it in a way that is so personalized. Like Ebony mentioned, the program allows students to take a diagnostic assessment at the beginning of the year. And we also have two other assessments that we give students throughout the year so that we can track their progress. That beginning of the year assessment allows students to receive a, a, a Lexile score and what happens is that from that moment on going forward, students receive informational text at their just right reading level. We have expectations for usage for, usage for Achieve 3000. So if students read about eight articles a month and they earn 75% or higher on the article activity, at the end of the month, the program uses an algorithm to automatically bump up or adjust the lexile of the text that is presented to the student. So that means that if students are using the program with fidelity from August to May, they have the ability to gain three times the growth in one academic year with the utilization of that program. So I love that it provides personalized text. I love that it's informational text because our students often have challenges with reading informational text. So this allows them to be able to develop their competency, their confidence with really overcoming that challenge of a text. The other part that I like about Achieve 3000 is that it allows students to select articles based on their interest. So whatever you're interested in, it could be sports, it could be cooking, it could be traveling, it could be science-based, social studies-based. Students can just go into the platform, type in whatever the topic is or the subject is, and select articles and read high-interest articles based on their choice. On the other side of that, 
teachers can select articles for students based on the standards that they're teaching or based on the topics that they're covering in the classroom. And just like Ebony mentioned before, Achieve 3000 also has a parent portal. So parents are able to utilize Achieve 3000, and I'll tell you a, a tip about Achieve 3000. It has what's called a career center. And that career center is there to motivate our students because we know we are trying to prepare them for college and career. So it tells the students all the lexiles that are needed in order to be successful in a particular career. So if I know that I have an interest in nursing, it's going to tell me what is the lexile that's needed for this position or this career and where am I on the trajectory to meeting that lexile. Parents can use Achieve 3000's Career Center to look at careers and current job openings. So you mentioned two words that I, I want you to make sure you clarify or define for our parents, Lexile and informational text, okay. that being a term. Okay. So when you say Lexile, what's implied in that word? What do you mean by Lexile? Okay. So Lexile is just a measure. It's a measure of reading ability. And it's a term that was coined by Metametrics, which has created the algorithm for determining what a Lexile is. People have Lexiles. Texts have Lexiles. And so we can determine a person's Lexile when they take a, a, a various, there are so many different types of assessments that will yield a Lexile. And that Lexile just indicates where I may struggle with the text, where a text may be just right for me, or where a text may be too easy for me. So there's a Lexile range, if you will, for every grade level. Right. So there's a Lexile range for every grade level. The The best place for parents to find the range is on the Georgia DOE website, and they could simply just type in Google Georgia DOE Lexile chart, and it will automatically pop up, and they will be able to see their student's grade level and then correlate it to a range for that Lexile. And what we like to say, because the ranges sometimes can be confusing because they overlap, what we like to say is look at the midpoint of that range. So depending on where your child is, you want them to fall well in the middle of that range. That's how you know that they are reading at what we call grade level proficiency. And at the high school level, that's how we know students are on track for college and career readiness. Now, informational text. An informational text is just a text that is um, the opposite of fiction. So it is real in nature. Some examples of informational text would be magazine articles, newspaper articles, biographies, autobiographies, any type of primary source document, a diary. So any text that is written for the purposes of information and it has facts, statistics, and it is free of opinion and bias. Very and it's good. not imagined. So that's helpful to hear. So all of you mentioned your data and, and I know we we're we're well into the school year. We're getting close to the middle of the school year and I know you've got mid year assessments that will be occurring. But based upon how the students did at the beginning of the year, how would you say the students are progressing, or is it too early to, 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 to maybe answer that question? So feel free. Who wants to go first? I, I won't. Well, 
I'll just share really quickly with Achieve 3000 since we're talking about data. And I was recently looking at some of our data. And so I can say that our students at the high school level, again, they're moving in the right direction. When we did the initial diagnostic, our students, um, the percent of students initially at CCR, uh, CCR was 26%. And now our students at are at 31.7%. And CCR is college and career college readiness. College and career readiness. And so we see that our students are making incremental gains each month. And obviously, we would want to compare BOY to EOY, but we always look at mid-year just to see if we're on track. And BOY is beginning, beginning of, of the year. EOY is end of the year. MOY is middle of the year. Very good. So they are making secondary students, high school students are making progress. Yes. They are moving in the right direction. We have a, a higher percentage that are, that are considered college and career ready. Yes. It would be great if we can get that close to 100%. Absolutely. But we're moving in the right direction. What about the, mid, uh, the elementary kids? So for our elementary students, our kindergarten, first and second grade students, um, we saw great growth in our kindergarten, first and second grade students at the beginning of the year. And so our conclusion um, is that, you know, our parents probably were being very supportive. Okay. During in other the words, testing. they were helping the little babies out. All right, parents, we don't need you taking the assessments for the little children. We need to hear, we need to see how, how the children are doing. Absolutely. But I heard that at a state meeting that I attended. So that's happening yes, across the state. Yes, so yes. parents, of, especially of our younger children, Children. Correct. We know you want the children to be successful, but we need that we need it to be their work, their responses, and not the parents' work and not the parents' responses. Absolutely. <laughs> because when we looked at our Dibbles data, because Dibbles is a one-on-one assessment and students have to give responses orally, okay. we saw a, a difference. Okay. A, a very highlighted significant, large, significant difference. difference. And so um, what we look forward to for our K-1-2 students, looking at the middle of the year and seeing their growth, because we know that that data is, is truly a true picture. So we may see a little decline in our kindergarten, first and second grade data when we look at the middle of the year for iReady. However, our third, fourth and fifth grade data for the beginning of the year was pretty true. It gave a true picture because it is typically what we see at the beginning of the year. So we're looking to see growth by the middle of the year. Um, we provide our students with progress monitoring in our lower grades for K-1-2. So as we look at the trajectory line with the progress monitoring, we are seeing a combination of things. We are seeing some students who are right on track, and we're seeing some who are just missing it. And so we just encourage parents when we think about how do you help your student at home with their sounds, and you might be thinking, well, I may not make the right sound. Mm -hmm. So there's a wonderful free app that we always like to provide our parents, and it is O. G card deck reader and it's a free app you can download it on your Apple uh, through Apple or you can download it through Google Play if you have an Android but this particular app once you download it you can um, listen to the letter sounds and not just hear it orally but it also gives you the mouth lips and teeth uh, mouth teeth and tongue position for those sounds so that way the student will be able to just see just the lips so they'll see the mouth formation they'll hear the word they'll see the representation the letter spelling for that particular sound and then they'll be able to be reassured that they are work that they are uh, producing the correct sound as they're helping their student so it's an app that helps the parent but it also it's an app that helps the student but it also helps the parent because we know that truly at home our parents are the child's first teacher they're 
they're really helping our students at home this year. They are, and probably more than they had planned to. Yes. <laughs> but they are. So, Joy, Dr. Bradley, what's happening? How are they doing at the pre-K early learning level? So we are, this week actually, we are administering our uh, middle-of-the-year assessments. However, our work sampling online ratings um it is evident that our students are making um, light progress, I would call it. Um, we had a lot of our students, particularly in the area of alphabet knowledge, we had a lot of our students were rated as not yet, but I noticed that their final ratings were in process, which is right on um, the target for being ready for kindergarten. Um, we have utilized Get Georgia Reading as one of our primary sources to share with our families. And they have a variety of resources where they can go to um, Cox Campus that's provided by the Atlanta Speech School, as well as there's a favorite app of our zero to three families um, that's called Vroom. V-R-O-O-M, and it's an app that gives a literacy tip to their cell phone every day that they can implement. But what I can say is that our teachers are modeling reading appropriate um, or best practices in reading that are assisting families in knowing how to use books at home and model those same um, read aloud tips with their children. Very good. So let's talk very quickly about tools that may be available, and you've already mentioned a few, and how parents may assist because clearly they're spending a lot of time with the children as the children are connected to the various uh, platforms engaging with their teachers or the times that they're not connected to the platforms. So if you'd like to share uh, any additional or some tools uh, that may be helpful, and then how could parents assist? And I know you've got different age groups here represented but maybe you have some ideas for the parents, even of our high school students, how they can assist middle school students, clearly elementary, and our, our pre-K or, or younger children as well. So one of the resources that our department put together is the uh, Parent Lit Lounge or the Parent Literacy Lounge, and it's the one-stop literacy shop. And so when parents go to that particular uh, website, which you can find through our Clayton County Public Schools website, and you go to the Virtual Parent Toolkit, it's located there. It's also under departments under Elementary English Language Arts. But when you open it up, you will see a wealth of resources, and each room in the lounge is tailored to various different uh, various needs for students to excel in reading. Um, we even have uh, created a, a little nook, a book nook room. Um, so, you know, Bitmoji is very popular now. Okay. And so we have a book nook full of Bitmoji characters that are reading different books to students. Um, we have different resources to help parents with testing and what the do's and the don'ts of testing um, while they are virtual right now. We have uh, resources to help everything that falls under the five components of reading pretty much. So it sounds like vir- Parent Virtual Toolkit on the web on the Clayton County's website would be toolkit. a great place to start. Yes, and yes. then click on the Parent Literacy Lounge, the one-stop literacy shop. Very good. Ms. Gray? So when I think about um, just trying to keep students abreast with what's going on in the world, so it's about using our literacy skills, like you often say, to be informed and to make informed decisions. I think about old school back in the day when we used to have to read um, 
what is it called? Your current event, your current event. And so tools that come to mind, because I want our students to develop our literacy skills, but I also want them to just become smarter about the world. So two tools are News Ella or News ELA and readworks.org. And I'm mentioning these two sites because they offer free resources for parents because parents should be reading with their students at home. And we know that sometimes we're challenged by not necessarily having a print-rich environment at home. But now that we know that all of our students have access to the web, they have Chromebooks, they have access to digital resources right at their fingertips. And so through those resources or those websites, parents can do what's called read an article a day with their kids. And they keep their students not only abreast of what's going on in the world, but they're also helping their students to develop their vocabulary skills. So as they're coming across new words, stop and study those words and talk about those words and adopt some words. That's what we do in our family. We try to adopt some words for the week. We use them when we talk. We try to commit them to our memory and just internalize them so they become a part of how we speak and when we write. Also, talk about what you're reading with your child. So we want to build the speaking aspect of literacy. It's not just about reading, but it's also about reading. It's about writing. It's about speaking. So give the text to your students and have discussions about the text. And it doesn't have to be discussions tied to a standard all the time. It could just be what was the central idea or the main takeaway from this text? What new insight did you gain? What new ideas do you have? What does this text make you want to go do? Do you want to research something else? Did the text um, make you question something? And to write, to have your students write. So I know that journal writing is so important. It allows our students to get out their thoughts, but they can write about the text that they're reading about as well. So those two. Very good ideas and, and very practical and I think very doable uh, and, not, and it doesn't sound like they're very expensive or any amount of cost right. to do those things. Free. <laughs> Dr. Bradley, for the elementary parents, any suggestions or ideas? And I know that they are ready to get these kids back <laughs> to us face to face at some point. But any ideas as to tools or um, what parents may do to assist? Well, I'll share um, just the, I guess, the they say strive before five and there are five things that um, all zero to five children should engage in every day. And this talk, sing, read, write and play. So if you do those, those are strong in regards to development to the whole child. Say those again, Dr. Bradley. They are talk, sing, read, write and play. And when you say read, that implies that the parent should read to the child if the child can't read yet. The parent can read to the child. But um, those stories that are so near and dear to children's hearts are the stories that parents make up or telling old stories that came from um, generational stories. Family stories. Yes. History and about grandma and grandpa and when they were children, those type 
stories. Yes. Excellent. And so I wanted to share um, just two resources um, that are great for those at the preschool level, which are which is Georgia Pre-K at home. So if one of our students missed school or had technical difficulties, they can always log into Georgia Pre-K at home and they provide the total Pre-K day right there at their link. It's just a click of a button and they can follow along with the great story read as well as um, music. Um, there's some language experience for the children um, as well as independent play and outdoor play activities. Activities. And it's all centered around most of the themes and topics that we're currently studying um, is pre-K. And another website that is good for pre-K to fifth grade is Georgia Home Classroom um, that can be linked through the PBS website. So those are two that are really good for early learners. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I think it's important. All of these activities and tools are so important to use because ultimately, and I'm going to look at Miss Gray right now, ultimately we want our students here in Clayton County Public Schools to be college and career ready. Can you tell us what that means when we say we want our students to be college and career ready relative to literacy or uh, any other uh relationship to college and career readiness. What does that mean for us here? Right. So when I think of college and career readiness, the first thing that comes to mind to me is opportunity and being um, well equipped to take advantage of any opportunity that comes your way. And our students not having to settle for the college that's not their choice or the career that is not their choice because they don't have the skills necessary to compete for the more desirable colleges or the more desirable career positions. So when we think about literacy, we think about a student definitely graduating with a Lexile on or above grade level. So when we're talking about college, we're talking about 1,200 plus, 1,300 plus. We're That's a Lexile score. Lexile score. We also want our students to be able to write and to be able to convey their ideas on paper in a cogent way, a coherent way. And also so important, especially when we see everything that happens on a daily basis on the news, but be able to support what they're speaking and what they're saying in writing or expressing in writing with evidence. So students being able to have discernment, being able to research differentiate between what's fact and what's opinion and be able to support what they are thinking and their ideas and writing. I would also say that the student not only has to be able to do that in writing, but also orally, because you can have a lot of great ideas, but if you can't convey them so that others understand them or so that they're not clear, you miss opportunities. So in a nutshell, I would just say college and career ready means the students leaving our district ready, prepared, skill-wise and knowledge-wise to compete for any position on a college campus in this world and any career of their choosing because they have the skills to do so. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. You know, as we prepare to wind down, I, I want you all to think about, I, we, we know we're all in this pandemic and this pandemic has been challenging in so many ways for families and for the school system and clearly with us still in virtual learning. But are, do you see any bright spots, any opportunities that have uh, surfaced, if you will, during this pandemic? 
Um, I will say that our pre-K students are tech-savvy tech now. Tech-savvy. Yes. Okay. So most of their day, um, of course, is spent in learning centers. And there's minimal activity in regards to technology. But our students now are able to actually generate documents. They're able to navigate um, through websites, access most of their classroom links on their own, independent of their parents. So I would say... Um, in light of our students have become tech savvy. And also, um, I think that they have a voice now, um, whereas you may enter a pre-K classroom. Um, some not, may not um, talk with me because I would be a, a stranger in the classroom. But now um, you come in, they'll ask, who are you and what is your name and why are you here? <laughs> and they'll have long conversations Um even though, you know, of course, it's a little disrupted, but they'll have long conversations um, in regards to what they're learning, what they're doing and how things are working or not working for them. Well, when you mention about them being able to to navigate the technology, to me, that implies that they're they're developing in their critical thinking skills, which is a good thing. So that language skills, critical thinking skills, opportunities here. Even in this pandemic with virtual learning, opportunities have presented themselves that it appears that we're using this experience to their advantage. Yes. Any bright spots at the K-5 level? Absolutely. So I think that our parental, our parent involvement um, is at a, is at a high. Um, I think that our parents are more informed um, because we're virtual. You don't have to schedule the the travel time. Uh, I need to take off work. You could pop right in if we're having. We're often hosting different parent uh, literacy workshops, um, and so parents are able to pop in and tune in and learn. You know what they need to do to help their student um, understand what their student is being instructed and taught in school. Um, also, because it's virtual, the parent is able to see. Wow. This is what school is like because school has changed and morphed over the years and it's always going to continue to grow and flourish. So school as when I was in school is different how school is now. So I, I just think about parents who may be older. School is totally different. So they're able to get a, a, a bird's eye view of their child's education. So I would say parental involvement. And we're also able to still provide opportunities for students to uh, do various drive by drive bys where we pass out um, resources to continue to help our students at home. So I think that that has definitely been a bright spot to just see the increase in parent involvement as well as the opportunities and resources that we're able to provide throughout the entire year for parents and and students. Thank you for acknowledging that because our parents have been very engaged. Yes. I know, and I'm hearing that across the spectrum when it comes to uh, school systems around the nation, parent engagement has been just off the charts. It has. Miss Gray, any bright spots relative to our secondary and middle and high school students? Yes, I would say a bright spot is just for our students demonstrating just an awareness and an increase. Um, I would just say an increase value of education. So when I think about our students and when I reached out to them and said, who wants to read a book and the response that was overwhelming. When I think about the students who email with their class assignments or inviting me to come sit in their class and participate. I feel that because our students have been separated for so long, they are craving 
that real face-to-face interaction. And I think because of that, there is an increased value placed on education that maybe might not have been there before because we were maybe taking it for granted. It was just the norm. But when you lose something or you don't have it, you tend to wish for it or want for it or you realize the importance of it. And so from our students, I can just tell when I'm observing classrooms, they're participating more. I love to see when they're in their breakout groups and they're interacting with each other. So I agree with my colleagues um, on all levels, just uh, taking advantage of the technology and being more tech savvy, the parental involvement. But I also see with the older student, them exhibiting their own, um, just their own value of education and wanting to participate more. Very good. So as we prepare to close, I'd like you all, each of you, to think of one area or one thing you would like to see improvement in. And then offer to your parents in that grade level some idea or um, suggestion or advice uh, to encourage them that they are having, I believe, a phenomenal impact on the lives of their children during this pandemic. And while we know it's stressful, we know that they're doing more sometimes than they would had planned or even been trained to do relative to the reading or literacy process. Our parents have to know that without them, we could not get this done. So please uh, share any closing thoughts that you may have um, for your various levels. So I would like to see our students um reading more through our platforms. Uh, many of our schools have Mayan, AR, Accelerated Reader. Um, our coordinator for media services, Mr. Craig Coleman, has done a phenomenal job with ensuring that our students have access to an e-library card where they're able to uh, um uh, get on loan um, or access books for them, ebooks for the students to read at home. So I would love to see more independent reading um, with students. And, you know, we know that just 30 minutes a day exposes students to, I believe it's 1.2 million words, if I remember correctly, in a school year. And so just 30 minutes a day makes such a huge impact. So that is what I would like to uh, challenge our students and our parents to do is to utilize the platforms that we have as a school district and read 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 just 30 minutes more a day makes a big difference can they find those platforms in the virtual toolkit so those platforms will be um in the virtual toolkit some of them are but also when they log into their rapid identity their student portal they can find those platforms there through rapid identity very good Ms. Gray, what would you share? Yeah, I would just really like to extend what Ebony shared because I agree that I would love for our parents to make sure that their students are reading widely. And there are a number of resources in our district to help put books in students' hands. So Ebony shared the work that Craig is doing, but also here that parents can reach out to both Ebony and I myself to get students books in their actual hand. We have a warehouse with novels in them and they are just waiting for students to come and take and adopt them. So I would just like to to say to parents, I'll leave you with this. What we talk about a lot in letters is called the Matthew effect. And basically it just means the rich get richer or the poor get poorer. And when we relate that to literacy, that means that the more students are reading, the more word and world knowledge they're gaining, which means they become smarter 
and they read more and the cycle just continues. The opposite is the effect. The opposite is true as well. When students are not reading, they are language poor, which means they struggle to access text and the cycle just continues. The more they struggle to access text, the more they don't have the confidence to read and the gap just gets wider. And so we want our students to become richer when it comes to their words and their world knowledge. And so parents can just help by making sure their students are reading widely. And the benefit that they have by reading at home is they don't have the pressures of thinking about a lexile. They don't have the pressures of thinking about a test or a standard. They literally can allow their student to choose books based on their interest and their choice so that they really can enjoy that reading experience at home with their parents. Thank you. Very wise. And Dr. Beasley, yes. if I could add, I'm Please. sorry. Please. I wanted to um, make mention that we are continuing to provide access through our little free libraries that we are installing across our community, Clayton County. And so we, um, with the partnership and help of the women of Clayton County, we just installed 12 more libraries at various schools. And so we'll have a grand opening um, for those libraries within the next two weeks, and they'll be fully stocked. So if you've never heard of a little free free library, it is a library that is, uh, it looks like a big birdhouse. And inside of it, when you open it, you can take a book and you don't have to bring it back. We want you to keep it, especially during these times now. Um, and so we're just excited to be able to make sure that students still have um on top of the ebook that they have actual hard copy books that they can go home now and build their own personal libraries. And we will be having a shelfie campaign with that where you'll take a selfie with your bookshelf and it is now a shelfie. <laughs> so awesome. we're excited about that as well. Well, And, and I'm glad you gave the plug, the, the women of Clayton, a plug because they are so critical. They're just valuable partners to this literacy effort here in Clayton County Public yes. Schools. So, hey, women of Clayton, keep up the great work. <laughs> Dr. Bradley, what would you share? Well, I'm going to close it out. Um, we know that reading is very important, but writing is important as well. So I'm going to go back to my Strive for Five, is that we talk to our littlest learners every day. We sing to them. Nursery rhymes are so important. We write about our day. We write our grocery list. Um, we play. This is so important. But I want to close it out by saying if you want your child to grow as a tree, and the word tree is spelled T-R-E-E, -E, and that's to read each and every day or every night. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you have heard from these dynamic, awesome professional ladies. You've heard from Ms. LSR Gray at our 612 level, secondary level. You've heard from Ms. Ebony Brown at our K-5 level, and you've heard from Dr. Joy Bradley at, at our pre-K early learning level. Clearly, they have shared valuable information that I believe if we would all listen understand, internalize, and yes. then go and do. You know, I'll have to always, that's that preacher in me. You got to not only hear it, you got to yes. go what? Do, do the work. It. You yes. got to go and do it. You got to do it. It's not enough just to hear something that's mm -hmm. good, but you got to put it into what? Practice. So if practice. we would take what we've heard today and do our part, and I want to encourage parents, all we want you to do is what you can do. Yes. What you have the capacity to do, work with your teachers, work with your principals, but take advantage of all the resources that are available. And as we say here in Clayton County, extend learning beyond the classroom. Yes. Don't just count on that teacher or that one instructional moment. You've got to own learning 
for yourself, for your children. Why? Because as I heard Miss Grace say, we want our children to be competitive. We want them to go to the college of choice. We want them to get that career of choice, that employment of what? Of choice. And the truth of the matter is, and I heard you say this as well, that all of us, and no matter what field we're in, we have to be literate and we have to have a high level of literacy, don't we? It's so, so important. But I also heard that literacy is not just reading, but it's also speaking. It's also writing. It's communicating, isn't it? And so we want here in Clayton County, our students, our county, to be literate and at a very high level. So thank you for listening today. I want to encourage you all to join the conversation by submitting your questions, comments, and opinions to podcast at Clayton dot k one two dot g a dot u s again at podcast at clayton dot k one two dot g a dot u s tune into future episodes by sus- subscribing to be inspired with Beasley podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and on the district's website at www.clayton.k12.ga.us. Again, I'm Dr. Morcise J. Beasley, joined by three wonderful ladies, Dr. Joy Bradley, Miss Ebony Brown, and Miss Elisar Gray. I got to always get that right, Miss Gray. Elisar Gray. We're here to keep our community engaged and informed. Until the next time, again, thanks for joining us. Stay safe. We'll see you the next time.